This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today's episode of All the Books is sponsored by So Delicious Organic Almond Milk with Cashew. There's an almond milk out there that granola is dying to spoon with. So Delicious Organic Almond Milk with Cashew. It has seven or fewer ingredients, and granola loves that it comes in three amazing flavors, vanilla, original, and unsweetened. One, smooth, one sip of this smooth, refreshing almond milk, and you'll realize nothing compares. So visit SoDeliciousDairyFree.com slash all the books to learn more. And if granola had hands, he'd visit now too. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 150, and today we are talking about books being released on March 20th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow cat mom, Jen Norlington, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hooray! I got so confused because I did, like, the pre-roll, which Rebecca usually does, so I was like, now someone else speaks. And I was like, oh, that's me. It's still you. You are the captain of this ship today. <laughs> yes. I forgot to, I forgot the anchor. Um, so, hi. 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 We had, we've had some exciting uh, cat stuff going on. I don't even want to talk about it. One of my cats was sick last week and I was like constantly texting Liberty updates about it. But no. they're 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 fine now. They're snuggling actually, which is good cuz they were unfriends for like a day or two, but now they're fine. They're like my god cats, really. They are. They are. I spoil them. Yeah. You do. You do. Petra found one of the fuzzies that you sent a while back. I don't know where it came from, but she unearthed it from some from some Narnia portal in the in the apartment. <laughs> We've discussed this before, because until recently, I always lived, like, in one-room apartments, so yes. it's really alarming, like, when you lose things in yes. such a small space, or, like, in an apartment, you're like, where did the cat put it? Uh-huh. Where is it? It's amazing. It is. It is. So, we don't have a giveaway today. Someone won the $500 worth of Penguin Classics, which is amazing. I'm, I'm super, super jealous. jealous. Yes, so jealous. <laughs> They're so pretty. So congratulations to her. Uh, oh, oh, and I need to do a shout out because I forgot like the last two times uh, this month on the All the Books chat on our uh, Insider Slack, Melissa in Iowa answered the question correctly. Uh, so say I want to say hello to Melissa in Iowa. Uh, she knows who she is. You probably all know who she is. Big, fabulous book person in the community. So... Um, I'm just babbling now. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I like the shout-out idea. It's cute. Yeah, it was for answering the trivia question correctly, which was something like, uh, I don't remember. What are the names of my cats? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what it was. But uh, let's talk about books now. Okay. Um, my first pick. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, before I start discussing it, I just want to uh, let listeners know, a uh, trigger warning for discussion of suicide. Uh, my first pick is The Astonishing Color of After by Emily X.R. Pan. It's so fantastic. I mean, just devastating. So good. 
Um, it's about a young girl named uh, Lee Chen Sanders. And uh, she thinks that the best and most important, amazing moment of her life is kissing her best friend, Axel, in his basement. Like, they've been best friends for a really long time. Things have changed. They find themselves kissing. She's floating on cloud nine. She returns home and learns that her mother has taken her own life. And so now, like, this really amazing moment is tied in with this, like, the most horrifying, terrible moment of her life. And she's, you know, devastated. Of course, her father is devastated. And a few days later, she receives a visit from a very big red bird. Like, she hears this bird outside her window. And the bird is speaking in her mother's voice, like, talking to her in her mother's voice. Uh, and as the weeks go on, the bird occasionally visits. She also is directed to gifts and some stuff that had belonged to her mother. Um, and she's convinced that, like, the bird is her mother. Like, it has turned into her mother. Uh, or her mother, excuse me, has turned into the bird. And she learns, you know, she knows that um, her mother is from Taiwan and that uh, something happened when her mother left Taiwan. She's never met her maternal grandparents. Uh, Lee hasn't. And she she knows, like, she's not allowed to discuss it. They don't talk about it. Uh, so she convinces her dad that she needs to go to Taiwan and meet her mother's parents. Um, and he bring he brings her there. Because uh, she thinks that she's going to find her mother, the bird, in Taiwan. Like, she's sure that's where the bird lives. So he takes her to Taiwan. It's a lot for him to handle, um, you know, whatever it was between her parents and her dad, you know, kind of comes up. So he leaves. And so now she's in a country with strangers. Uh, in a, uh, she doesn't speak the language. Her mother was teaching her, but she, she didn't learn a lot of it. And she is determined to find out where this bird lives. She, you know, she wants to see her mother bird. And she's also determined to find out why her mother left Taiwan and doesn't talk about it. Um, it's this just remarkable examination of loss and love and family. And, you know, and you're probably thinking it sounds super sad and oh, it is super sad, but it's also so, so beautiful. The writing is incredible. Like Lee is an artist. She, she does a lot of painting and, and beautiful art. And in her thoughts and her descriptions, she uses colors to describe her feelings um, or like an event. Like that event has been decided, it's decidedly green or, you know, pink or something. And it's, it adds like such a rich detail to the writing um, it's just such vivid, beautiful language and descriptions, and it, I just, I absolutely love this book. It was actually my, um, book of the month pick, like, I, I'm also a judge for book of the month, and I endorsed it, and so many people have been like, oh, I'm so glad I read that book, and that makes me so happy, because it's just amazing, and it does sound sad, but it's so worth the read. Again, it's called The Astonishing Color of After, and it's by Emily X.R. Pan. I really want to read that book. I've been seeing it everywhere, mostly from you, but also from some other folks one of these days. Um, okay, my first pick is actually from last week, um, but it's so good. I really wanted to talk about it, and Liberty said that I could, so there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Driving the, the ship. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's The Merry Spinster by Mallory Ortberg, who has recently announced his transition to Daniel. Um, so if you're Googling for it, it's Daniel Ortberg, but the book says Mallory on it, so that is what you should look for in the store. And it is a collection. The The subtitle is Tales of Everyday Horror. And oh boy, I had to stop reading one of these stories because it freaked me out so much. 
I definitely wanted to put the book in a freezer. But what it is is a collection of uh, short stories, obviously. But they're retellings of fairy tales as well as some contemporary literature. There's actually a little guide in the back that has the sources and influenced influences listed out for each story and it's fascinating um i think this is so well done one of my favorite stories was called fear not an incident log and it is basically an angel filing an incident log about his encounter with jacob like straight out of a bible story and it is so funny and tongue-in-cheek um and then like that one didn't scare me that one i did not have to put in the freezer but the the story that is based on the velveteen rabbit i did have to put (laughs) i had to put it down for a minute because it's very body horror and that is the thing i struggle with there's also a story in here inspired by the wind in the willows but it's like full of gaslighting and really weird like friend group terrible bullying um and then there's other ones that play with gender the book opens with a rewrite of the little mermaid that i just adore because it's so funny and smart. Um, If you were a toast reader, you might remember uh, Children's Stories Made Horrific was like a series by Orberg on the site. And I had forgotten about that. But if you remember, you will be deeply familiar with this aesthetic. Um, If you haven't, you don't need to know. It's they're just really amazing stories if you like weird and if you like fantasy retellings with a modern feminist twist if you like stories that are surreal if you like horror like there there's just so much going on in this book and I'm not gonna lie I'm a little bit obsessed with this collection there's stories that I'm gonna skip next time I reread it like that Velveteen Rabbit one which too much um but most of them (laughs) I definitely will read again and I don't know I just think it's so impressive and I want like 14 more installments of this like I want more I like I finished it and I was just like okay and I'm ready for volume two now I'm ready um so yeah it's it's really, really super worth your time. I would definitely pick it up. Um, and it's quick, too. It's like, I don't know, a couple, not even 200 pages, maybe? Yeah, just under 200 pages. So if, you, if you're looking for your Read Harder, read it in a sitting book. I bet you could do this one in one sitting, now that I think about it. So that's the Mary Spinster Tales of Everyday Horror. Nice. Oh, it's so good. Um, as, you know, most people who have been listening to the show know... For some reason, even though we've done this, this is 150. This is episode 150. I still get super nervous every time we do it. (laughs) And I get, like, flop sweat. And so you were talking, and I was, like, dying and sweating. So I needed something to fan myself with. And uh, thank you for my postcard, Jen. Oh, yay, postcard. (laughs) I forgot to to thank you for it. And I was like, oh, this will work. I was like, oh, it's the postcard that Jen sent me I got today. (laughs) I should thank her. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um... And now, more non-book related things. Our next sponsor, it is Third Love. Third Love is back. When it comes to bra shopping, it's all about finding the right fit for you. And there's only one lingerie brand that offers bras in sizes AA through G, and that is Third Love. Third Love uses thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that fit and feel great. While most old school bra brands, I always have a problem with that, (laughs) 
the tongue twister. Well, they only carry 15 sizes, Third Love offers 60 sizes, including half cups, which no one else does. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they are offering listeners 15% off your first order. To find the bra you've been waiting for, all you have to do is answer a few simple questions from Third Love's Fit Finder quiz. It only takes 60 seconds, and you can do it from home. You never have another awkward fitting room experience again by trying a Third Love bra. It's so comfortable you might forget you're wearing it. And if you don't agree, your returns and exchanges are easy and free. So this year, make the change that will change the way you think about bras. Go to thirdlove.com books to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com books. And we thank them for sponsoring. Mm-hmm. I I don't know why this idea popped into my head while I was reading this, but I was like, it would be really cool to like make a country song about memory foam. <gasps> I, it I would be. I would listen I, to that. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I feel like so country songs are often about like everyday problems, right? And I feel yeah. like bras are an everyday problem. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that somebody happens. get on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I know you're going to find this hard to believe. But I don't have a lot of country song writing <laughs> credits under my belt. <laughs> shocking, shocking. <laughs> uh, I do have a lot of reading experience under my belt, and I'm going to tell you about my next book now. Yay. So excited. This book is so, so good. It's called Stray City, and it's by Chelsea Johnson. And it's about a woman named Andrea Morales. She's 24. She lives in Portland, Oregon, but she grew up in Nebraska. She had uh, very strict religious parents. Um, she's a lesbian, but it was not anything that she could admit to her parents uh, because, you know, they were very strict. And, and she moves to Portland. She decides to go to school in Portland. Um, and Portland is this amazing out city. Like, you know, she she finds herself. She can be herself. It's fantastic. Um, so she's a lesbian. She's in a relationship. Uh, uh, she's in a relationship with this woman for three years. Um, she has a but she has a, a non-monogamous relationship with this woman. Uh, she just she's the only person who doesn't know it, <laughs> and and she finds out that you know her girlfriend has been sleeping with everyone. Um, so they break up. It's a terrible breakup. She thought it was like you know she was the love of her life and they had a house and all this stuff. So she's going through this really rough patch um, and decides you know she's gonna pick herself up by her bootstraps and go out and see her friends and go to a concert and, and get over it. And while she's there, she learns some more bad news. Uh, she finds out about the betrayal um, by a friend. And so she's just, she's miserable and she's drinking. And long story short, which is too late, um, <laughs> she ends up sleeping with a man. And and not only that, but she becomes pregnant. And so now, you know, she, th- she was thinking like, what's what's the most rebellious thing I can do? you know, in my life right now to get over this relationship and it was sleep with a man. Um, and so now she's pregnant and she's trying to decide, does she want to keep it? And, you know, what are her parents going to say? Um, she's already had problems with them, like not paying for school when they find out that, you know, she's a lesbian. And her friends, she calls them the lesbian mafia. Like, what are they going to say? You know, like sleeping with a man is like a definite no amongst her group of friends. So like, what are they going to say? Um, and then... You know, it goes, like, ten years later, uh, she has a daughter. She decides to keep the baby. I'm not spoiling anything. It's in the description. Um, She has a daughter, and now her daughter wants to know about her father. And it's just this smart, funny, warm, wonderful, entirely realistic novel about choices and consequences and revisiting one's past. Um, And there are little bits of ephemera in between the chapters. There's, like, newspaper articles and text conversations and stuff like that. 
Um, and that adds to it. It's, like, really fun. And it's just... It's a debut novel, but it, sometimes I get these sensations, and this time it happened with this. I feel like I've been reading this book my whole life. Ooh. Like, I felt that way... Um, with the miseducation of Cameron Post, that's the first one that popped into my head, and some other books. Like, I just feel like I've always been reading this book, like, I, I knew it, and it feels warm and familiar, and I just, I loved it. Again, it's called Stray City, and it's by Chelsea Johnson. Well, you sold the bejesus out of that, now I to read that book. <laughs> Yay! Good job, and dang it, I don't have any room in my TBR. Okay, speaking of things that I am still working on because my TBR is so big, I just have to say before we get into the second half of the show that the reason that I have not read all of the books that I am recommending is because this is the third podcast I've recorded in like five days, so I it's there's been a lot going on in my reading this, life. This is a judgment-free zone. Yeah, it's that's fun. right. It's Don't judge me, please. Um, okay, but the next book I want to talk about, which is actually also a short story collection, we are indeed having a short story moment here in my head at the very least, if not in the world, is Ethereal Worlds by Tatiana Tolstaya, who I first found, it was for Get Booked, actually, we were, somebody was looking for um, books about Russia to sort of help understand what was going on over there, and she has an essay collection called Pushkin's Children that's super interesting. Um, It's like a collection of a bunch of things she wrote about of various topics like there was book reviews in there and you know interviews and and all kinds of different stuff Um, and it was a really fascinating collection so then when I saw that she had a short story collection that's being published in the U.S. as of this week I was really excited Um, and I started reading it and it is I thought I really loved her essays, but I really, really love her short stories. It is so, her prose is so clean and crisp. Like, she doesn't use, she's not flowery, she's not, like, she doesn't meander. Like, her prose is super simple and super straightforward, and I really, really like it. Um, and the stories, for all that it's so clean, and con- they're contemporary stories, but they're also kind of dreamy. For example, there's this one where it is um, a young professor who is uh, in America for a special program and is sort of like sitting in a cafe having a cigarette break. And then it turns into this whole like story about an affair and then there's this little twist at the end and you're like ooh um and then there's another one which like liberty might not want to read this story cuz it's about making <laughs> aspic it's called, like do you know what aspic is it sounds familiar but it's it's meat jelly like you make yeah. a jelly out of meat fat stuff yeah so there's the very first story i think it is 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 but about is it made out of people no, no, it's uh. like, it's like, yeah, it's animals. Sorry. Um, okay. not vegan friendly, but there's a <laughs> short story about making aspect for the holiday season, but it's told in the second person. So it's this very sort of funny and like a little bit snide about the holidays and the pressures of the holidays but it's just about somebody like cooking in their kitchen it's she just does so much with such simple straightforward little premises um there's also a telegram like post office worker uh story that is just like it's a little bit kafka-esque almost like they're trying to find this location nobody told will tell them where it is and the whole time they're like why am i even doing this job like it's very it's just so 
so compelling with such simple little tiny premises. It's exactly the kind of short story collection, uh, contemporary fiction short story collection that I love. Because, you know, obviously I tend more towards like the fantastical or the supernatural. Um, and this has just a touch of surrealism to it that I super appreciate. And... Um, and she's apparently a very big deal in Russia, which I wouldn't know because I don't know much about Russian literature. Um, but it's you can see why. Like this collection, I feel like she should be a bigger deal over here. Like I feel like if you read like, you know, Lydia Millet or or Lydia Davis for that matter, um, or any of you know sort of those like uh, like Alice Munro, you know, you should be reading Tatiana Tolstoya also. She's she's just great. I really I'm really excited about this collection. So that's Ethereal Worlds by Tatiana Tolstoya. Aspic is that's such a disappointing thing to learn about. I'm sorry. Because it's, it's, it's such a good, like, it sounds so much like some of my other favorite things, like yeah. arsenic and absinthe. So, I mean, like, it just kind of seems like it would go in that group, but not for not, me. Not for you. No. I have no segue. <laughs> <laughs> my next pick is Bury What We Cannot Take by Kirsten Chen. And the novel is sort of, sort of opens with a kind of, like, atonement or Eve's Bayou situation in which it's something, like, children who don't really understand the situation that's going on. Because how could they? They're children. Um, and they think that they're doing the right thing. Uh, in this case, it takes place in 1957, and there's 12-year-old Aliam and his 9-year-old sister, Stan San, and they come home from school and find that their grandmother has smashed a picture of Chairman Mao with a hammer. And now Aliam is only 12, and he wants to be in the Maoist Youth League, and he considers himself a very loyal party member. Um, so he writes a secret letter to the authorities telling them what his grandmother has done. And the repercussions of this letter are, are wide and far-reaching. Um, and the family ends up wanting to flee from, from their home. They live in this little inlet across from the mainland of China. Um, and... But when their mother goes to get visas for them uh, to go to Hong Kong, the authorities tell her that they must leave one of the children there with them as proof of their intention of returning. Um, and so the rest of the book is sort of the story of a family divided and how this impulsive act um, and, and entirely well-meaning, you know, act of a child has consequences and it's about, it's really about conflicts. It's about familial conflicts, political conflicts, um, conflicts of conscience. And it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, she's an amazing writer. Uh, I was really taken with this book. So again, it's called Bury What We Cannot Take. And it's by Kirsten Chen. I will tell you about our next sponsor now, Thank which you. is, you're very welcome. Uh, it's She Caused a Riot by Hannah Jewell. Uh, when you hear about a woman who was 100% pure and good, you're missing the best chapters of her life story. She Caused a Riot is an empowering, no-holds-barred look into the epic adventures and dangerous exploits of 100 inspiring women who were too brave, too brilliant, too unconventional, too political, too poor, not ladylike enough, and not white enough to 
be recognized by their contemporaries, from 3rd century Syrian Queen Zenobia to 20th century Nigerian women's rights activist Funmilayo Ransome Kuti. These are women who gave absolutely zero Fs and will inspire a courageous new movement of women to do the same. The author, Hannah Jewell, is currently an on-camera host for the video <coughs> team at the Washington Post. Uh, she wrote for the BuzzFeed UK. And the diverse set of women featured in the book are not often found in other women's history books. They're from different countries and cultures and time periods. Um, but their stories will appeal to the badass in all of us. It's also receiving incredible praise. Uh, let's see. The hosts of Being the Boss or Being Boss podcast said it should be mandatory reading for every woman who aspires to rock the boat and make necessary change. So this is a book that will make a good addition to your feminist library. Um, it's a good gift for your bestie or your sister or your daughter or mom, anyone who's interested in learning about the previously unknown women in history who built cities, sparked revolutions, and massively crushed it. So that is She Caused a Riot by Hannah Jewell. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. And speaking of women who are crushing it, hey, uh, hey, this is actually like a sad book, so I don't know why I went into it with that tone. And it's technically from March 13th because I don't know how to read a calendar, but you need to hear about it anyway. It's No Turning Back, Life, Loss, and Hope in Wartime Syria by Rania Abuzaid. So this is intense. Um, Abuzaid went undercover in Syria to, for like five years, over the course of five years, um, to put together this book. And what she has done is select specific people and is telling their story um, starting back to like 2011 up to the current situation in Syria. Um, and I I picked this to to read and to talk about because I I don't know a lot about the Syrian conflict. I know just, you know, the basics of what's being reported in the media, but I feel I felt like there was so much more that I was missing, so much context, and this book is really doing exactly what I wanted, which is giving me a much broader sense of the context of what is going on in Syria. Um and she says in the opening that she didn't make composite like a thing that a lot of nonfiction writers do in, in investigative reporting is they'll kind of interview a bunch of people and then make a composite person but she says in the intro to this book that there, there's no composites like she's changed details to protect people's identity but otherwise the stories are their own um, and so you're following uh, for example one young man named Suleiman who is like comes from wealth and power and the right family but is um videoing the protests as they happen because he believes that it's so important that people actually see what's really going on. Um, like using his phone and then uploading it, you know, and sending it out to anybody who will air it. Um, there's a father who is like released from prison and is seeing like a new opportunity. Um, there's a poet who becomes a commander. Like it's, it's really, it's really digging deep into the lives of these specific people and um, how the Syrian conflict has changed their lives, how they're involved in it, all of that stuff. So like the prisons and covert meetings and, you know, the formation of ISIS, like she's, she's just doing all of it. And I think this is a super important book. Um, if you are interested in hearing from her specifically, she's been on NPR. And if you just Google that, you'll come up with the interview, but we could also put a link. I'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes, but it's really, I think it's really important reading and it's really powerful reporting. And I'm just so sort of blown away by how 
how uh, honest it feels and also how accessible it feels. Like because she's coaching it all in the language of these people's lives, it feels like you're you're getting sort of this narrative viewpoint of it. So it's not at all like a dry political book. It feels very real and immediate and very present. Uh, so that is No Turning Back, Life, Loss and Hope in Wartime Syria by Rania Abuzaid. All right. <laughs> Okay, my little anonymous bat. My last book today <laughs> is Senlin Ascends by Josiah Bancroft. It's actually a book that came out uh, a long time ago. Um, and I just, it was one of those things where it was expiring off my laptop. So I was like, I gotta read this. And I love it so much. I've read half of it. The sequel came out last week. I've already gone to buy it because any excuse to buy a book. Um, and I wanted to tell you about it. I started reading it actually because the comps for this book were books that I absolutely loved. And I am only halfway through, but I can safely say that it is not like any of the comps, but <laughs> it got me to read the book and I do love it. And it, from what I can understand, is one of those like self-published success stories, like um, the Andy Weir, The Martian. It's like word of mouth. Uh, it kept going and going and going and it got picked up by Orbit. Um, and like I said, I'm halfway through it. It's 450 pages and I just, I love it. It's so weird and inventive. It's about this very mild mannered school headmaster named Thomas Senlin and he and his new bride, Maria, are traveling to the Tower of Babel. It's like an actual giant tower that no one has ever seen the top of. It's so big um, and it's like the greatest marvel in the world, you know, like one of the wonders of the world. And he, like, he is very mild-mannered, but his bride is very adventurous. And when they first get there, at the base of the tower, um, she decides she wants to go look at some stuff. He doesn't want to go look at some stuff. He's going to sit on the luggage and watch her. And within moments, the crowd has, has moved past them. And when it parts, you know, she's gone. And he's, they've been there, you know, ten minutes, and he's already lost his wife. Uh, and then he's robbed. Uh, he finds out that there's like a big place you go to leave notes because people get lost all the time and they, they're leaving. You know, this one guy's been there for two years waiting to find his sister who came with him. Um, and like I said, they have to start at the bottom. This tower sort of kind of stands in for society. Like the people who have no money and aren't doing very well um, live at the bottom of this tower. Uh, he had to come in because he, he and his wife didn't have much money. They came in on a train. Like, if you have a lot of money, you could come in on an airship and go to one of, like, the higher levels, like, immediately. Um, so he, he, you know, she, their plan was to go to the top or as far up as they can. And so he's determined to follow that plan. And he thinks he'll find, you know, Maria if he does that. So Senlin starts out. Uh, he ascends, like the title says, and he goes through different levels, which are just, like, insane. There's, like, this crazy play level where you are the audience to a play, but you are also the actor, and you are, like, given a costume and, like, sort of, like, a guide and your own place in the set, and you have to, like, participate in this play for, like, week two weeks. And if you don't do a good job, like, you can't go to the next level of the tower. Um, it's just, it's so crazy. And like I said, it's the first in a trilogy, and the second one is already out. It's called uh, Arm of the Sphinx, and it's so much fun. If you've ever read Walter Mower... Or if you haven't read Walter Mower, you should get on that. He's a fabulous German author. And this reminded me a lot of him. Um, Walter Mower wrote 13 and a Half Lives of Captain Blue Bear and City of Dreaming Books. And this was very much in his style, I feel. And I'm just enjoying it so much, I wanted to tell you. So again, it's called Senlin Ascends, and it's by Josiah Bancroft. Have you read Ted Chang's short story collection, uh, The Story of Your Life and Others? 
I have not read it yet. Well, there's a Tower of Babel short story in there that's super good also. I was well, just maybe I did read it. that. Yeah, it's it's a... I don't know anymore. <laughs> You've read so many books, I don't know how you remember any of them, to be perfectly honest. Spoiler, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, my final book is one I actually haven't read yet because the... Publisher did not approve me for the galley. So for all of you following along at home who have ever fight, had that fight, problem. Fight. I know. Well, you know, it happens to all of us, it turns out. Um, shocking, but true. So anyway, I haven't read it yet, but I don't even care because I am so excited that it's finally out. It's The Heart Forger by Rin Chupeko, which is the second book in the Bone Witch series, which, oh my goodness, the first one was a book I was just obsessed with last year when I read it. It is about a young woman named T who is born into a family of witches and she has a witchy power too, but it turns out to be necromancy. She can raise the dead and she finds this out by accidentally bringing her recently deceased older brother back from the dead. Um, they like do. Like you do. Well, so she's at his funeral and she's really sad that he's dead because he was like, you know, her protector and her older brother and she's really little and he was older. So she looked up to him. And then the next thing you know, she's got a zombie older brother. Um, but it's okay because she has to go learn how to control her powers. And so he can becomes like her protector. Um, and in the meanwhile, like, okay, so this is, I'm still talking about the first book here. So in the first book, spoilers, if you don't want to hear some spoilers, just forward right on ahead um she is like learning she's coming into her power and she's discovering that the people who she's supposed to sort of answer to are maybe not who she wants to answer to like maybe they don't have her best interests at heart and then she loses somebody she loves i guess these are just mild spoilers but anyway she like is is like super unhappy with her situation and the book ends on a total cliffhanger like it's such a book one of a series like you're just like how can you possibly end it there i have to know what is going to happen next? So the fact that now I will find out at least some of what is happening next, because it's a trilogy, it's a planned trilogy. So there's at least one more book in the series. And I have zero doubts that this will also end on a cliffhanger because that is just how life works sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm so excited to see what T and her like, necromancy army are going to do next um so if you have not picked up the first one you should because now the second one is out and you can dive right into both of them there was such good sort of like dark fantasy ya last year um i'm super super into it yeah so that's the heart forger by rin chupeko very excited obviously so what are you going to read next? Well, when my library hold comes in, <laughs> I will read The Heart Forger. Um, I'm also reading right now Blood of a Thousand Skies, which is another YA sequel. Um, that is the sequel to the really fun sci-fi, like Space Princess on the Run from Assassins book, Empress of a Thousand Skies by Rhoda Beleza, and I'm super into it. And I'm going to try to finish uh, the, the two books I talked about today that I have not done yet. What about you? Well, I'm going to finish Senlin Ascends, and then I thought I would read the Monster Baru Cormorant, which is the Ooh, sequel yes. to The Traitor Baru Cormorant by Seth Dickinson. And then I also have another book, which is kind of like a combination of those two titles, which is The Descent of Monsters by <laughs> R.Y. Yang. So we have monsters, they're going up, people are going down, it's crazy. So... 
that's what I got. Amazing. Yeah. So, that's it for us. Mm-hmm. We made it. We I did didn't it. crash the boat. No, <laughs> you, do, you are an excellent captain. Thank you. And thank you to our sponsors, uh, So Be Delicious and Third Love, and She Caused a Riot. We will have links to all of those in the show notes. You can check them out, and we thank them very much. You can drop us a line at all the books at Book Riot if you want to talk to me or Jen or Amanda or Rebecca, and if you want to send us questions for us to ask on our three-year anniversary show. Um, you can find us on the internet. I am Liberty uh, and Litzy, and also Miss Liberty on Twitter. And I am stalling because I just realized I did not write down your Tumblr handle. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I am Jen IRL on Tumblr. So it's jenirl.tumblr.com. And that is Jen with two N's. All right. And if you would like to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy happy reading. reading!